Seek competent, professional guidance for financial, legal, and tax advice, as everyone's specific needs are unique. WHP Talk Radio 580 now presents Financial Freedom with Tim Decker from ISI Financial Group. A full hour of sleep well at night financial guidance from an experienced financial advisor. Talking about This is your financial show, Central PA. Financial Freedom on WHP Talk Radio 580. Well, good morning, everyone. Tim Decker here with you. Welcome to another hour of all things financial here on Financial Freedom. Let me give you the phone number if you wish to be part of the program. There are several ways you can reach me here. You can reach me by calling 717 540 0580 that's 717 540 0580 and or toll free 800-724-5801 again that's 800-724-5801 and for those of you who are radio shy as i like to say you can shoot me a quick email here i have my email right in front of me you can email me at ffradio at comcast Dot net. That's FF as in financial freedom. FF radio at Comcast.net. You have anything you'd like to ask of me pertaining to your investments, IRAs, Roth IRAs, 401ks, mutual funds, ETFs, municipal bonds, insurance, life insurance, uh, my favorite topic, annuities, uh, anything along those lines. If perhaps you're considering making some changes to your portfolio um, now that we're embarking on a new year perhaps you've been g- given some advice that you're not real sure if it makes sense or whether or not you should follow that advice if you want a second opinion I promise you I'll do my very best to give you information that I believe truly and most sincerely is in your best interest as a legal fiduciary registered investment advisor Uh, I am required to do my very best to provide information that is always in the best interest of consumers. So, again, you can reach me 717-540-0580 or toll-free 800-724-5801 or email ffradio at comcast.net. So right before the show, my producer or one of my producers. Uh, we have Tori and JC both this morning, but uh, JC uh, asked me, uh, so Tim, what do you think about this uh, so-called one to two inches of snow we were told we were going to get? And my response to that is stock forecasters exist to make weathermen look good. <laughs> and <laughs> In other words, weathermen and weather ladies or weather people are the only ones other than those who attempt to pick stocks and forecast what the stock market's going to do. They're the only ones that continue to get paid for being wrong. They can get lucky. They can be right once in a while. But even when they're wrong, they continue to get 
paid. And I would have to say that those in the weather business actually are they have a better track record than uh, those so-called gurus who uh, attempt to lead you to believe that they're going to be able to pick for you stocks that are going to outperform something as simple as a low-cost index fund or those that are that are attempting to tell you uh, what's going to happen in the stock market over the following 12 months as we enter 2018. And one of the things that I like to do <clears throat> is to go back and talk a little bit about some of the things that we were told now that 2017 is wrapping up. What were many of these so-called experts, these gurus, these charlatans and by the way it's been said and i believe it was william bernstein who said the reason that uh the word guru is used when it comes to those forecasting and making market predictions the the reason the word guru is used is because the word charlatan is too hard to spell so as we go through this next hour in addition to, again, uh, if you have anything you'd like to ask of me, don't be shy. But we're also going to talk about what can we learn reflecting back on 2017. What are some things that we were told by many in the media, uh, many economists, many uh, investment advisors, many on radio shows, many on television programs, on CNBC, Fox Business News, in investment newsletters. What were many of the things that were being said um, right at the beginning or right before 2017 versus what actually has taken place? And what can we learn from that? And I'm also going to share with you some financial re resolutions as you're looking at or perhaps are considering making New Year's resolutions. I'm going to provide to you my list as I do every year. Some financial resolutions that I urge you to consider making. These are things that if you will write these down and keep them handy as a reference guide, not only will they help you do the right thing, but as equally important, if not more important, will help you avoid making big financial mistakes. And as you've heard me say over and over many times, successful investing and successful financial experiences is even more about not doing the wrong thing and making big mistakes than it is doing the right thing because there's just a few things that you need to do right and if you stick to them and you are conscious and you're disciplined and you follow through you can have a very very successful experience not only now but in the many many years ahead but so many people that I've met with over the years thousands and thousands of families and individuals that I've counseled um, and uh, uh, have have guided, when I have met with them, many of them have gotten off track 
because of one or two mistakes. So there's always two things or two two uh, uh, concepts or two scenarios to keep in mind. One is what are the things you need to do, but just as equally important, and I would say more important, is that you understand what are things that you need to be careful not to do. So we're going to go through a list of what would make sense for some good financial resolutions, and then, time permitting, I'm going to share with you some forecasts. That's right. Tim's going to share with you some forecasts that I am confident will take place in 2018. Okay, we're going to go to our first break. When we come back, we will pick right back up. And again, if you have anything you'd like to discuss with me, would love to hear from you, 717-540-0580. That's 717-540-0580, toll free. It's 800-724-5801, or you can email me at ffradio at comcast.net. Again, that's ffradio at comcast.net. Let's go to our first break. Don't go anywhere. I'm Tim Decker, and this is Financial Freedom. Lots of new cars have HD radio. Set a button for News Radio WHP 580 on FM. It's Financial Freedom on WHP 580. Once again, here's Tim Decker. Welcome back. As we wind down 2017 and head into 2018, uh, we're going to discuss some what would be some very, very wise financial New Year's resolutions that you can apply and should apply that can carry you into not only 2018, but for the rest of your life. Before we do that, um, I had an email last week from um, a Nancy, and uh, after I had read the email again when we had gotten off the air, I saw in the title of her uh, e- email uh, that she was d- wanting to discuss the distributions that are made by mutual funds and how that affects your share prices. So let me just comment on that. Um, if you own a mutual fund, basically how a mutual fund works is it's a pool of investors, myself and you and hundreds of thousands of other investors that we pool our money by turning it over to a mutual fund. That's why it's called a mutual, meaning all of us in one fund. And then we hire a money manager. And let's just use as an example, uh, a uh, S&P 500 index fund uh, as an example. So the manager buys the 500 companies that make up and mirror the S&P 500 index. Now, those different companies like the Exxons and the Caterpillars and the Walmarts and all those companies that make up that index, those individual companies throughout the year pay dividends at different times. Not all of them, but the vast majority of large companies do, okay? And those dividends go into the mutual fund, and then the mutual fund, as they accumulate these on a pro rata basis, depending upon how many shares you own, 
they then distribute them out to the shareholders of the fund. So we don't own shares of the actual companies. We own shares of the mutual fund, which then owns shares of, of the companies. And the mutual funds are required to pay those distributions out to us as shareholders. And what happens is throughout different times of the year, different funds will pay those distributions at different times, as well as most of them will pay at year end a, another distribution in the way of capital gains, a capital gain distribution to all fund shareholders. And what happens is if you will take note as to when these distributions take place, um, when they actually do take place and they are actually paid out to you as a fund shareholder, you'll see that proportionately the share price drops the same. So let me just give you a real simple example. Let's say you own a mutual fund that has a share price of $10 a share. And if that mutual fund pays out a distribution of $0.10 cents that you get, then you're going to see at the same time the share price drop by 10 cents because that 10 cents that's being paid out has been embedded within the fund and has been reflected in the share price throughout the year. So when you see a, sh a fund share price have a sharp drop, typically in December is the largest one, um, it's because at the same time, make sure that you look and, and, and see that you received a distribution and you should see those two offsetting each other thus there is not a gain or a loss in and of itself just as a result of that distribution it should be the exact same dollar amount it's just rather than it being embedded and held within the fund any longer some of it is paid out to you so hope that helps nancy i I know uh, Nancy had uh, expressed some concern uh, as to why her funds dropped in share price while the market actually went up that week, and uh, uh, and she had uh, wondered if it had something to do, to do with distributions, and I would guess that's probably one of the reasons. Okay, let's look back 2017. Well, we all know that this was President Trump's first year. And what was it that we were hearing in November of last year? We heard the Mark Cubans of the world. We heard the economist Paul Krugman. We heard so many people saying that, you know, if Trump wins or because Trump won, the economy and the stock market in 2017 is going to be a disaster. And we heard that from many other so-called experts. We also heard that uh, interest rates finally are going to start surging back up. We also uh, were told and many, many people were beginning to espouse that international investing um, is a waste of time. Because if you look at 
the last, you know, five, seven years, international markets had significantly lagged, especially emerging markets. And uh, best thing to do is, so they said, just invest in large U.S. corporations because they have exposure to international markets anyway. And so much, so many of their earnings come from overseas. You don't need international investments. Well, let's let's look at what the facts are and what actually happened. Well, through yesterday, the broad U.S. market ended the year up about 21%. Now, when I say broad, that's a mixture of large companies, some midsize and some small. If you look strictly at the S&P 500, that was up roughly around 22, okay? Now, that is significantly, significantly higher than what the long-term averages have been. So, as it pertains to the forecasts that people were making at the end of last year and coming into 2017, that the stock market here in the U.S. was not going to do well, they absolutely were horribly wrong what about interest rates going up well interest rates as of yesterday the 10-year the yield on the 10-year government bond has been hovering uh, between 2.25 and two and a half where it's been hovering at that rate just about all year so we have continued to see interest rates remain very low, as well as inflation remain very well intact. So those who made the forecast that finally, finally, and by the way, these are the same people that have been saying for the last five, six years, interest rates got to go up. Interest rates have to go up. We're going to have inflation. Inflation is going to get out of hand. Go buy gold. Go go buy, you know, or, or get your money out of uh, the stock market because, you know, uh, hold it and cash because uh, you know bad things are going to take place well people that have been saying that for seven eight years have missed out on as we know one of the strongest strongest bull markets ever in the history of the u.s market so again the interest rate forecast that was horrible and what about abandoning international investments why why would you want to hold international investments? I mean, look at what the US market's been doing over the last five years. It's been trouncing, trouncing international markets. Well, what did the international markets actually do? Well, to get an idea, I'm here and I'm looking at the dimensional fund advisors international core equity. Portfolio. It's a very, very nice, diverse portfolio of established international countries and stocks in those countries. Well, as of Friday, that fund ended up 28%, beating easily the U.S. markets. And what about those emerging markets that, oh, those have just been horrible the last five years. Well, if you would have avoided owning some of those, when we look at 
the Dimensional Fund Advisors Emerging Markets Core Equity Portfolio. Again, a beautifully diversified of a beautifully diversified fund that has a portfolio of thousands of companies throughout emerging markets, large cap, mid cap, small cap. If you would have avoided emerging markets, you would have missed out on returns of about 36%. 36%. So, again, those that were saying avoid international markets, stay out of them, uh, you don't need international investments, you're going to get the same type of returns by having exposure just to large multinationals here in the U.S. Uh, again, Horrible, horrible advice if you would have followed it. But the problem is, the problem is, and listen very carefully, as human beings, we are wired, our brains are wired in such a way that we want to believe, we truly want to believe that somebody can tell us and can guide us and accurately forecast what's going to take place in financial markets. We just we just want to believe that's, that there's somebody out there that can. But let me remind you, one of the first and most foundational understandings to be a sound investor is humility. And that starts with simply this understanding and embracing this simple fact no one no one no one can reliably and consistently predict what the markets are going to do in the short term no one can reliably and consistently pick individual stocks that are going to outperform the indexes consistently over time. Now, does it take place? Absolutely it takes place. But because something happens once in a while does not support the fact that it is being done consistently and reliably. Accept what the data shows. Accept and humbly accept that trying to outsmart the world's financial markets is, as the evidence shows, a loser's game. So humbly accept that. And what that does is that frees you up from avoiding that speculation and nonsense. And it allows you instead to invest soundly, wisely, prudently, using financial science and evidence as your guide. The freedom that comes with that as well as the results that come with that over time and how it can reduce your risk substantially are all tremendous benefits. But you cannot accept and embrace that until you have a dose of humility and rather than trying to outsmart the markets, rather than trying to pick stocks that you think that you're going to that that you're smarter and that you have information that's not already baked into 
price. Until you're able to let that go, you will continue down the path that many investors follow as well as most financial advisors. And the result, the result we see year after year after year, the vast majority of investors and professional investors underperform beautiful low-cost indexes. Okay, we're going to go to the news. When we come back, we're going to pick right back up, and I'm going to share with you financial resolutions that I strongly urge you to make for yourself and your family as we begin 2018. Also, if you have anything you'd like to ask of me, you can reach me at 717-540-0580 or 800-724-5801, or you can email me ffradio at comcast.net. We'll be right back. Have a new car? There's a chance you have an HD radio. Set a button for News Radio WHP 580 on FM. At finances or your financial future, give us a call right now at 540-0580 or toll free at 1-800-724-5801. This is Financial Freedom with Tim Decker on WHP 580. We're going to have to uh, update that, JC. Uh, they forgot to put the 717 in front of that uh, Okay, let's go to the phones. I believe we have Carl from Camp Hill. Hi, Carl. How are you, sir? Pretty good. And you? I'm well, thank you. How may I help you, sir? Well, I'm 63. Mm -hmm. I'm semi-retired, making uh, less than the 15000 whatever, that puts you into a Social Security penalty. Um, the been watching TV and seeing these commercials for gold that you can buy and actually hold it in your hand. Now, this kind of intrigues me. I sent for a, uh, I guess, their advertisement or whatever. I got it. The fees see, seem tremendously high to do this. What are your thoughts? Well, why are you intrigued? What is it about gold that intrigues you and that you think it was – worth your time uh, exploring? Well, the idea of holding it, in case things got really bad, okay. we would still have uh, a commodity that has been used for thousands of years. You know, if all the, if all the paper all of a sudden went bad. Okay. Sounds good, and I respect your your line of thinking. Um, but let's back up and let's actually look at the data and what the real numbers show. Okay. Sure. What What we know is, if you go back to data uh, and some of the best data that I've seen that uh, has is available through a professor named Jeremy Siegel. Um, in an excellent book that he updates regularly called Stocks for the Long Run. And he actually goes back to the 1800s. And he looks at the price appreciation of different types of assets. Gold is one of those. And what we see, Carl, is that over, you know, roughly two centuries, uh, had you invested in gold and this is through wars and depressions and hyperinflation i mean you know th 
through all these things that we've been through, the net return on that barely, barely would have kept up with inflation. Barely. And the reason for that, as it is with all commodities, is what is their value? What's the value of gold? Well, if you think about it, and if, and if we use the example that you were alluding to, you know, if things really got bad. Now, when you say things really get bad, can you describe to me an example of, in your mind, what that scenario might look like? Almost on the verge of a worldwide collapse. Okay. Worse than the Great Depression? Yes. Okay. So let's just say that took place. Worldwide collapse, meaning I assume you're talking about that um, companies are going bankrupt everywhere. Governments um, are... are uh, defaulting on their bonds um uh maybe there's wars going on at the same time i mean i'm trying to think of every example that i can but let's just imagine the doomsday which is essentially what you're you're, you're referring to yes <clears throat> okay so we're not gonna we're gonna have companies going under um we're gonna have wars going on we're gonna have bankruptcies everywhere uh, hyperinflation, uh, governments defaulting on their bonds, and I and you are sitting in the basement of your house or my house or wherever, and we each have a stack of gold bars. What are we going to do with those gold bars? We can't eat them, obviously. We can't, uh, they're not going to keep us warm. Um, so what are we going to do with them that's going to provide us with food or shelter or things we need to stay alive? Are you asking me? Yeah. Yep. Cut slivers off and use them as the current currency. But what, what determines the value of them? I would imagine whatever economy is left. Okay, but if somebody offered to 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 give you a sliver of a bar of gold and you're in despair because everyone everyone's in despair, what are you going to pay them for that sliver of gold and what good would that sliver of gold do you? So you pay them, you know, 1000 green pieces of paper that we call dollar bills so that you get that sliver of gold. Now, what good is that sliver of gold going to do for you? I'm just thinking along the lines that it always remains valuable, as it always okay. has. Well, it, it, it has before you account for inflation. But when you look at the real return, which means you subtract the inflation eroding it, it barely has broken even over 200 years. And the, and the reason for it is, is it has no intrinsic value. It's strictly based upon what's called the greater fool's theory, which is what's the next person going to be willing to pay you? 
for it because in and of itself it has no value. Warren Buffett once said, he said, if the Martians up above could look down and see us digging this, these things out of the ground that are yellow and shiny and gold colored, we dig them out of the ground, we haul them somewhere else, and then we storm somewhere else, and we just keep doing that back and forth. They'd scratch their head and say, well, what's, what is the purpose of all that work? And my, my recommendation has been, and still is, gold can have a tremendous value if you want to buy jewelry for your significant other. But as an investment, it is nothing more than an investment in fear and doomsday, and the, the, the thing that's even worse is, in spite of that, going through all of the doomsdays and all of the things that we've had through the, the last 200 years, it has not provided any type of reward other than barely keeping up with inflation. So my opinion, supported by historical financial evidence, is buy gold as jewelry, but as a investment, I would not recommend it at all. So, okay. there you go. I hope That's that helps. What I you. Wanted. Thank you very much, sir. You're welcome, Carl. And I wish you a great 2018, sir. Yes, thank you, and you too. Okay, thanks. Okay, let's take our last break. When we come back, we're going to get right into what are financial resolutions that you can and should make for 2018. We'll be right back. When news breaks out, we break in. News Radio, WHP 580. Hey, this is the financial show that represents you, not Wall Street. This is Financial Freedom with Tim Decker on WHP 580. Welcome back. Tim Decker here as we wind down 2017. And uh, before we move forward, let me remind you, um, if you are not a subscriber to our free, that's right, free, no strings attached, uh, we don't need your name, we don't need your address, we don't need your phone number, we don't want any of that. All we need is an email address. Um, if you'll go to our website, isifinancialgroup.com, that's isifinancialgroup.com, and the bottom right-hand corner there, you can subscribe to our free e-newsletter. Uh, you'll get that regularly, uh, monthly. We send out different articles. I have a monthly video uh, uh, webcast that we send out that's only about three minutes long that is full of extremely valuable but yet easy to understand information. So, again, go to our website, isifinancialgroup.com, and sign up for our free uh, financial newsletter it's called insights and education and also don't forget if you haven't yet done so we have there on our uh, homepage as well download the fiduciary questionnaire that you can download and print out and i urge you use that use that send that to if you're working with a financial advisor now send that to them and insist respectfully that they answer the questions in writing and send it back 
and or if you're interviewing other financial advisors, please do yourself a favor and get those answers to those questions as it's going to help you make sure that whoever you are working with is a 100% fee-only fiduciary who is legally bound to look out for you and your best interest, not some of the time, but all the time. Okay, before we go to the phones, uh, let me just say, since we're running out of time and I got a few callers here that I want to try to get to, we're going to uh, wait till next week to go through our list of financial New Year's resolutions. So let's go. Let's see here who we've got next. Today. I think we've got Steve from New Cumberland. Hi, Steve. How are you, Hello. sir, and how may I help you? Pretty good. good. Hey, I just wanted to touch up on the um, doomsday thing. I know you moved away. I was waiting to get in there. Um, I don't really see a big crash like that. Uh, 90% of me doesn't buy it. But the gold thing, like you touched up on, I thought to myself, well, what am I going to do with this gold bar? <laughs> and first of right. all, if, if, if the paper money is no good, you know, and but it, and uh, you're not going to be able to cash it in, obviously, and people invest in the gold stock, and what are they going to do with that money? And no. in my opinion, the people that don't have it are, you know, I feel sorry for them, and the people that do, by the time, they would almost have to apply a credit system for it, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's when you think about and follow through the practical uh, uh, steps, which is what you're doing, what what is that shiny thing worth? And it's only going to be worth what somebody else is willing to give you in return, whether it be, okay, I'll give you three of my cows so you can eat, and I'll take your bar of gold. But why would they want your bar of gold? I mean, I, I, it, it just does yeah. not make sense, other than it's a fear-mongering tactic that's marketed, and it's been marketed for years and years and years. So personally... I would rather ha if if I only have one thing left, it would be guns and ammunition. Then I could get food. I could get anything I want. And by the way, I could get your gold if I wanted. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, by the time they would even apply a system like that, the grocery store shelves would be bare. But I would imagine there's going to be a higher power that's going to have stuff set up for people. I mean, the grocery's not going to let them yeah. uh, wither well, enough. But I had a question about financial sure. uh, stuff that I'm involved with. Um, okay. I did, I did go to my broker once, and I've noticed my funds. I switched back years ago, and they haven't really been doing anything. They've been, like, idle. And I've heard people around me that are doing well. So one time I set up a meeting with him, and he said, well, it went up $5,000. And I, it was a big shock to me because I said, well, that's because I contributed $5,000 to it. <laughs> So that's telling me that nobody's paying attention to them. Yeah, jeez. And uh, I'm wondering if uh, this person is really going to go the length to try and do everything he can as my financial advisor, or um, should I just get an opinion and show them my, what I have and see what they say? Here's what I... If 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 I were you and I were in your shoes, here's exactly what I would do. I would find and make sure that you know in advance, I would make sure that you meet with and pay for an hour 
consultation or meeting with a 100% fee-only advisor who, what that means is they have nothing to sell you. They're paid by you for an hour of their time and have them look over what your options are as well as making sure that they have a good idea of all of your investments and they can then help you choose the appropriate investments that are best going to be aligned with your best interest and then you'll have confidence that what you are in is what you should be in that's what i would do invest a few hundred bucks get some objective best interest advice because you get way too much at risk when it comes to your your uh your, your retirement so right. i hope that helps okay. you yeah. all right well thank you very much you bet have a great 2018 well I know we didn't get to some callers, but if you'll call early on in the program next week, we will bring you up, and I'll be happy to help you out. Have a great 2018. We'll see you next week. Take care. What are my New Year's resolutions? My resolution is... The only resolution we make year in and year out. The